Turnbuckles, Trunks, and Titles presents to you Nicholas London and Cuball Carmichael. to be the host of the show, Cuball Carmichael. How are you, sir? Nick, how you doing, buddy? Another Tuesday night. Another Tuesday night, and you and me waiting at the last minute to try to figure out new things. <laughs> of course, that's our style, right? <laughs> that seems to be our new thing, right? Uh, that's right. Hey, last minute, let it go live, make it organic, everybody enjoy it, because well, nothing's planned on this show, which is good. So, you know what? I got some cool things to tell you tonight, and uh, you've got a few things that you plan to do. Uh, obviously, did you want to? Uh, I think it's important that we get right to a special moment that you really wanted to uh, to give to uh, a dear friend of you. So if you're okay with it, I would like to uh, take care of that right now because it's important and means a lot to you. Yeah. Um, I found out today that my good friend for probably 25 or 30 years, James Beasley, who lived in the Wilmington area, had passed away. Um, if you don't know James, he's been in the wrestling business uh, as long as I had. And uh, he was a staple in the, North Carolina area for many years. Uh, he worked a little bit for Crockett in the 80s. And, uh, you know, he's a lot of shows with me in the past. And he's, he's always been supportive. He was one of those guys where if I was doing a show and he wasn't booked, he would go and actually do the right thing and buy a ticket to the show. And then, of course, he'd come to the locker room and say hi and maybe get a seat and watch it if nobody recognized him. But, you know, he was just one of those class acts that when we did Chin Lock for Chuck a few years ago, you remember that? We Promoted on your show, Very much. Chuck Coates. and uh, you know James went to that show and brought five or six people with him, and you know he always supported pro wrestling. Besides being a promoter and a wrestler, he got his son in the wrestling business, and most of his friends were in the business. And yeah, it was really saddened to find out um, he passed away on Friday. His his uh, girlfriend got old me yesterday and let me know that he passed away. He was predeceased by his wife about five years ago, and uh, his girlfriend had been a medic at a lot of the shows that we ran years ago, and so it was kind of, you know, it was, it, he had been sick a few years ago, 
and then it came back on him, and I guess he came back with a vengeance, and, you know, he really didn't have time to think before it was over. So it's always kind of sad. It's, it's kind of sad to hear a guy that you know for so long that, you know, and, and I'm guilty of not seeing him as much as I should have in the past couple of years, considering he's only an hour away. She always feel a little bit guilty about a little bit of that, but he was a class act. Well, I want to send my condolences to uh, his family. I want to send my condolences to you. And if it's okay with you, we're going to play this 10-bell salute because I think it's only right and it's fitting for uh, this very moment. Well, in the memory of James Beasley, also known as the Beast, let's go ahead and play the 10-bell swarm. I'll tell you, it always seems like it's longer than it is, doesn't it? That's the longest 10 seconds in wrestling right there. Yeah, it is. Um, it definitely is. And, you know, it's fitting for, for your friend and uh, somebody who respected this business and somebody who is loved, whether it's by a mother, a father, a friend, uh, a family member. And it's uh, deserving uh, in many ways to your friend, Jim. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, he's a longtime member of the Corner Pocket group and was a contributor and you know, always always made a positive comment on a post and things like that. So he's a good guy. Now, switch gears a little bit. I want to give a shout out to a really good friend of mine. His name is Doctor James Well, he's Jim to me, but to the common folk, he's Doctor James Hubbs. He is a family practice and a former plastic surgeon in uh southern New Jersey, Philadelphia area. And uh, Jim does something. I went and, as you know, that we're we're going to announce here shortly. I went into the supplement business and the health and supplement business. And one of the first products that I decided to have designed for me uh, was a Brain and Focus uh, supplement, which has a unique proprietary blend that we came up with. And I sent it to to Jim to look it over because I wanted the physicians, you know, to sign off on it, so to speak. And one of the things he said it was great. It doesn't have vitamin K in it. I wasn't sure what that meant. And then he told me, he goes, well, you know, anybody who takes a blood thinner can't have vitamin K because it will thin their blood even further. It can cause internal bleeding. So what I really liked about the product besides the blend is the fact that it excluded vitamin K so it's safe for um, anybody who takes a blood thinner to go ahead and take that supplement. And, of course, you know, (laughs) I think 50% of the population over the age of 50 it's on some kind of blood thinner. So the good news is those are the ones that are suffering from the memory and focus problems. Trust me, I know. <laughs> they'll be able they'll be able to take that. I hear that. So, but it's uh but it's good for uh Jim to be Dr. Hobbs to be able to go over and take a look at and I'm gonna forward all my labels before I actually have it private labeled and in, in my Infinity Nutrition brand and have him read them over and if there's anything in there that should have be in there, he'll take it out. So just wanna give him a shout out. He's a He's a 
a friend, a longtime fan, and uh, we've known each other a long time. So there you go, Jim. Appreciate all your help, brother. So let me get this straight here. Now, I'm already super duper smart, but I can be smarter? Well, I don't know if there's any hope for that. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> but that I didn't go the way I had planned. I can tell you that your memory and your ability to focus versus jump from task to task to task will improve because everything in the proprietary blend has been proven um, through studies to improve people's ability uh, for short-term memory and also for focus. And one of the reasons why I developed it is, is as a child that has memory and focus trouble, only 13. So when I went to launch my first product, it was very personal for me to launch that product, um, not just as I'm aging and have trouble with memory and focus, but she even as a youngster does, and it's safe for somebody, you know, 13 years old to take. So that was all important to me. Of course it is, and it should be. And that's why a product that you release, you always do your homework, and that's one thing nobody can take away from you, Q, is you do your homework. Yeah, you know, I've always – it's funny, but, you know, it's it's interesting because I always did a lot of homework in the wrestling business. A lot of people say, oh, you're so smart, you know this, you know that. And I really don't. What I did was I studied a lot of film, and we're going back into the 90s when you got a third or fourth generation tape you could barely watch, VHS tape. But, you know, it was important for me to become a student in the game. It, it takes studying to do that and reading up and, and knows, know, like, you know, who, who the, the names like Hack and Schmick and, Thatcher and, and Lewis and, you know, all, all these great names, who they were and what they did in this business and laid the groundwork for guys like me and, and of course, our guest is going to come on shortly, Luke Hawks. And if you, unless you're living under a rock, I'm pretty sure you probably know who this guy is. I mean, he's wrestled all over the country. He uh, runs Wildcat Sports in Louisiana, which uh, trains guys and just does a great job, runs great wrestling events with, with huge attendance. And uh, he's just he's just one of those guys in the business that if you've been around for more than a minute or a cup of coffee and you don't know who he is, you should be ashamed of yourself because he's wrestled everywhere. Yeah, and, you know, I would like to think that a lot of people know who he is, especially the uh, quote-unquote boys and the guys that have been in the business for a cup of coffee because if they're doing their homework and they're paying attention, they should know. Uh, I once met a kid who didn't even know who the Rockers were. So anyway, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I'm going to say two very important things. Number one, as far as the cassettes, the VHSs go, uh, if my brother and I had gotten a nickel each as kids uh, for every tape we wore out that was uh, professional wrestling, we'd both be rich. Uh, That's one. And two... My brother is uh, down in California, and he's fixing to actually be married um, coming up here um, in October, October 26th. And I just want to give him a quick shout-out, let him know I love him. And I think it's wonderful, and he's listening to the show. So, Jamie, uh, good luck with that. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a lovely time, I'm sure. It's safe travels to my family going down. So, uh, anyway... uh, 
Yeah, so as I was saying on the on the tapes, I mean, my goodness, you know, I can remember watching stuff that was from the 70s and and, and just loving it, and the 60s in black and white with Bruno San Martino that my father had, and I, my brother and I have talked about it numerous times, because we have no idea where the tape ever went or whatever happened to it, but... You know, we just, we remember those little things, those things that we watched that made an impact on our lives, and that was professional wrestling. Right, right. Well, you know, that's, that's you know, wish him, wish him luck in his marriage and the trip and everything, and I'm sure it's going to work out great. And, uh, you know, is this his first marriage? I'm just going <laughs> to... Okay, yes. that's, that's, a yeah. no. that's, a, that's a no. His first marriage, really proud of him. <laughs> well, you know, at least you didn't have to take a lesson from your book or mine. <laughs> now he he's been down the road, so uh, he's. Anyway. I got you. I got you. Well, you know, you're hopefully you're a little he's... smarter smarter the second time, and then you know I've known people who married five times. Matt was married eight times, once but to the same guy with four husbands in between. So you know, who am I to judge? No, hey. I did pour it to the side one time and say, hey, Aunt Gigi, do you know that you can have sex before you marry somebody? Just just let you know. <laughs> <laughs> just you oh, my goodness. I just wanted you to know. just wanted to let you know that it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Happens to the oh, best of God. us. Yeah, I think hey, listen, our, uh, I have a question. Yeah. Um, I, I know we don't talk a lot about the current product. It's really something that you and I, even on the phone, just talking in general, we don't really talk about the current product. Usually we end up back in the NWA or talking about, you know, the WWF days. And But, uh, you know, did you, did you catch any of the draft? I'm just curious. No. I caught. I caught. The no, I didn't think so. Eight months ago, I watched the uh, SmackDown on Fox one. I didn't watch the Raw one. I watched the SmackDown one because I'm intrigued that they're on on Fox. I am, but uh, you know, it, it's hard to watch. It's hard. It's a hard product to watch right now. Yeah, you know, I find watching all elite wrestling a little bit easier. <laughs> Yeah, I'm hearing that, and I just found out on Sunday where I can watch it here in Canada, so I'm going to uh, check it out check tomorrow it out. night. Yeah, it's a, it's a big difference. I think our uh, guest here is going to be calling in in just a second anyway. Um, we'll talk about him. He was with the WWE for a few years. I know that. I think uh, once early on, and then I think for three years from like 07 to 2010 or 11, I, I think I'll have to. Check him when he's done. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you got that right on. He's been to the dance. Yeah, he knows the dance. He's spent three years there. He has an idea. That's for sure. Yeah, he, he, know, he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. Hopefully, it was the better three years than I spent when I was <laughs> When everybody's worried about losing their job because WCW was clutching them. <laughs> People are so concerned about their position. Well, every time they look at you, you know, you, you walk in, they look at you like they want to kill you. Oh, yes. This is true. But then there's Luke Hawks, who is, uh, who is um, you know, a very smart man. He's done a lot. I mean, 
you know, again, oh, like yeah. you said, if you went for a cup of coffee, you know, maybe you don't know him, but in all reality, you should know who he is. I mean, the guy is not just, you know, some guy that came in and left. He made an impact, and that is uh, something that, uh, well, as far as I'm concerned, that puts the explanation point on it. Well, you know, plus he's done some movies. He's done a lot of stuntman work and stuff. So, you know, he's just one of those guys that he, he just got that look, man. He's he's completely transformed his, his body and just, you know, and he's killed a lot of stone. And on top of all this, he's managed a great wildcat sport. So, you know, he's, he's always one of those guys that's always busy, always got something going on, always doing something. So, he's the class. Why did he say I put him through? Yeah. All right, Luke. Welcome to the show, brother. What's up? Yeah, I'm always doing something, man. I can't sit around. <laughs> I know. I was, just, I was just saying. I think you, you know, the hustle. You, you represent the term hustle. You know, we used to say back in the '80s and '90s, man. You always got to be hustling. You got to work hard. You got to make sure you get to every show you can. And you got to keep yourself out there so you get noticed, man. And that's exactly what you've done and continue to do. And, uh, you know, I know most of our listeners know who you are, but why don't you do, do us a little favor and give us a little rundown of your career and when you started and why you started, maybe who you look up to in wrestling to get you involved. Yeah, I started in 99 uh, and I uh, started training with Vic Grimes. Well, I started locally in 99 and uh, in Louisiana with some some turds out here. So I don't really count that because I didn't know much. I was, uh, I would say more or less self-taught at that point because, you know, they didn't know much other than bumping and stuff like that. Like a lot of these guys do. And they get a guy in there and they're trying to teach somebody to wrestle when they don't know the head from the, the ass, you know? So, uh, but I knew I had to get out and get more training. So I was still in high school at that point, but as soon as I graduated, I moved to Oakland, California. I mean, that's a long story in itself. I'm sure if you follow my career, if anybody knows, see my shooter interviews or other interviews, you know my the story about how I ended up in Oakland and uh, started training with Vic Grimes, which uh, led to XPW. And, you know, from there on, that, that opened the door to multiple other indies like NWA Wildside and so, uh, so forth and then TNA. And, of course, you know, tons of WWE stuff, Ring of Honor stuff. Uh, pretty much every company out there worked for and still have good working relationships with and do stuff. Uh, started Wildcat Sports, obviously, in 2011. So uh, we did, we we actually got a big show coming up, our biggest show ever. It's our eight-year anniversary on November 3rd, Sunday, November 3rd, and it's called our Revolution Rumble, which we named after uh, Percy Pringle. After he passed away, we coined it the, the Percy Pringle Revolution Rumble. So we, he, we, you know, we paid homage to him because he helped us get started, and he was a big part in the beginning. He was our GM. And when I first started the wrestling company here, he wanted to be a part. Of, well, I started the school first. So, and then uh, after after the school started, I knew I needed a really good place for guys to work. And I knew I couldn't just send them out there on turd shows. So, that's where the show started. And, uh, you know, and Percy was a big move. Paul Bear, Percy Pringle, Moody, whatever you want to call him. He was a big advocate for Wildcat and whatever I was doing. So he really helped uh, lay some groundwork early on over here. So, you know, it's the right thing to do for us to name that after him and keep his traditional name alive. Absolutely. And he was my I think you'll vouch for the fact that he's one of the nicest guys to ever walk the face of the earth. Yeah. Yeah, man. He was a good man. He was a good man. Very he good. Played good man. ribs on me too. <laughs> 
Lay some good well, ribs on me. Well, you know, you know, I'm gonna ask you if there's any that stick out. Is there any like that one that you remember? Oh man, my 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 18th birthday. Um, they took me out. They took me to Pensacola, Florida, and I was working my first show. And um, they got me hammered the night before. So uh, I passed out. Now I never drank. I didn't want to drink. And uh, but but naturally being around those guys, you know, they challenge you to something. I had a, I had to put up or shut up, especially back then. <laughs> so uh, I had never touched alcohol in my life. And it's one night I, I I drank a little too much peppermint snobs. It was my first time ever having alcohol. <laughs> Uh, you know, taking off the old eyebrow, all the good fun stuff that comes along with it. So, <laughs> oh no! Yeah. We can't do nowadays because 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 it's just too cruel, and you know, and people uh, will sue you over now, and and you'll you'll be, um, I guess, uh, chastised would be the right saying. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, they, really wouldn't like in, they wouldn't put us in jail; they put us underneath the jail. Oh yeah, yeah, you man. can't, you can't. Can't do anything anymore because you know everybody's so sensitive and you know how it is. We we live in a PC world, and I'm a, right. I'm a non-PC guy in a PC world. It's it's unbelievable. You'd be sued over anything, now, was, man. The boys, the boys today will never understand the men of yesterday in the business. Man, you know, I, I don't know if there's boys today. You know what I mean? I think it's a yeah. I think it's a lot of guys playing for ten today. Yeah, I'm thankful for my time when I came up. You know, I kind of came up in a, uh, a different era, and I came up in that 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 towards that end of the uh, the golden era, so to speak. And um, you know, where, where when wrestling was real hot, and you know, they still had a lot of the boys in, and so I, I got to travel. I get I got to do things that a lot of guys didn't get to do, especially nowadays. I got to ride in the ride and ride in the cars with veterans. And listen to the stories and learn that way and uh, travel with them. You know, I didn't get much help growing up, you know, and coming in. Like, nobody was giving me tips and telling me how to get better and telling me what I was doing wrong. Because people were still, you know, uh, they were still worried about losing their job or losing their spot to somebody. So they weren't really, you know, trying to help the younger guys come in and do better than them. Uh, but I, I am, you know, I, I had to teach myself, and I'm thankful for that. For that. Now, nowadays, these guys, these kids, it's indie guy in there with indie guys, so they really don't have anybody to learn off of. Well, that, and that, you're hitting the nail on the head. That's a huge problem, you know. Is it used to be back in my day, they would put a green guy in with a veteran, and he would get, you know, he would bring him along a little bit. He, he, he knew right. what he could do and what he couldn't do, and he'd, he'd push him a little bit, but just enough to get him better, not enough to get him over his head in there and talk to him the whole time. And, you know, it was a different era with that. And he, even when you were coming up, like, I've known Vic Grimes for a long time. I did the ECW, uh, ECW choo-choo train in 99 after, 98, after I left WWE, and I was with him for six months, bottom around, and, and Vic was actually one of my closest buddies. So, you know, Vic is a good old-school guy and, you know, tough as tough as nails, that's for sure. And, you know, he's a good guy to learn tough, under. Man. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he, no yeah, took me around. And he, he, he you know, one thing Vic did for me that nobody else did, especially back in that day, was uh, he put he put belief in me. 
I believed yeah. in myself, and I was probably a lot, I was probably too overconfident to be honest. But there were so many people who didn't believe in me and didn't uh, try and help me and didn't tell me anything or, or you know just crapped on me or treated me like dirt. Like my problem was, you know, I came up in Louisiana originally first, and the guys out here were were crap. They were turds, and I mean turds of turds. So, uh, and these guys never wrestled outside of Homer, Louisiana, or outside of West Wego, Louisiana, you know, and it was just these jerk-offs, and uh, they treated me like such dirt coming, they tried to treat me like I was this green punk kid, and, you know, they just didn't want me involved in the business, and, dude, they didn't, I knew they didn't know anything, so I had a real sour attitude, so I, I came in right away with a chip on my shoulder, because of the way these guys treated me. And it wasn't like fun hazing. It wasn't like, you know, teach me a lesson. It wasn't like break me off and teach me something. It was just like guys being jerks. And, uh, you know, and then they had nothing to offer. They had nothing to offer the business. They had nothing to offer the guys in it. But they were these crappy wrestling shows that were drawing 50 people, maybe 75 people on a good night. And that's all they had around here. So I had to be involved with it if I wanted to be involved with wrestling. But I knew that if I wanted to get serious and I wanted to make a career out of it, then I needed to get the hell out of Louisiana and I needed to do some proper training. And, uh, you know, and I was always close with Vic and we would talk and, you know, Vic was the guy who gave me that confidence and said, man, you, you're talented, you got natural ability, but you got to learn a lot of stuff. So, you know, and he, and he would take me under and, and teach me things instead of just, you know, uh, like trying to take advantage of me or trying to get a payday out of me or trying to, you know, from some guys who, and it, like I said, I, at first, I really didn't realize how much these guys didn't know, but after being in there with them, I knew that they weren't, you know, I knew they weren't, I knew they were crappy guys. You go to a show, you watch a crappy match. You knew it was bad. Yeah. At the same time, you know, like people don't realize how easy it is to get involved with pro wrestling compared. You can't say, you can't go and say you're a major league baseball player. I'm a professional baseball player. I'm a professional football player. You can't do that because you can look that up. There's track records. With wrestling, you can work at Walmart and you're telling somebody you're a professional wrestler, you know, and that's the bad thing. Well, you know, you know, it's funny you say that. I'll tell you a little funny story. Is when I first got into wrestling, you couldn't. There was only one place, two places that made gear and boots. One was B Bar and H uh, Boot Shop out in uh, uh, Texas, um, and they Arkansas or Paris, Arkansas. They used to make boots. And you would have to, he would call whoever trained you before he'd make your boots. You would have to outline your foot on a piece of paper, send it to him. It would take two months. You'd have to send him a money order when you send in your outline of your feet. But he would call who trained you to verify you were trained before he'd sell you boots. And then there was K&H Wrestling Wear out in Ohio, who was really, them and Adrian hadn't really even got into making a lot of gear back then. They were the number one manufacturer. They did everybody, and they wouldn't even make a singlet for you until they called, like, in my case, in Hawaii, or they called Luces to make sure that I'd been trained before they would even sell me a singlet. Now you can get all that stuff what? on the Internet. You can get three yeah. buddies together, and because one guy shows right. you how to take a bump, you think you're a wrestler. <laughs> well, and that's Boys. how it was. I mean, you can get a ring now. You can get anything now. We were so protected back in the day, which, you know, uh, it's good and bad in its own way. I think it's more good than bad, but, like, nowadays I just, you know, I'm all for people getting opportunities, but I want people to get opportunities the right way. I want people to work hard, and I want people to earn things. And, I, you know, and I don't want, I don't want wrestling tarnished. I still believe I got that mentality that, you know, that, that wrestling can be done good and can be, you know, 
I, we might not get back to the 80s and 90s, early 90s, where it was growing in big houses, especially like down the south. Like, I was talking to Lanny Poffo about it this week, and I was like, man, how amazing was it working like the Superdome and stuff back in the day? Like, and working every night of the week. Like, you worked every right. night of the week. We'll never, you know, you'll never get back to that unless you're on this grueling, like, WWE schedule. But back then, right. you, you know how it was. They they ran those roads, and they, I mean, they were brutal. It was brutal. You spent more time in the car than you did anywhere else. But, but you know, you know, it was, a it was a different world, too, because you spent the time in a car with two or three other guys, and there, inevitably there was a guy or two that knew a lot more than the other two, and they would that was the mobile classroom, man. They would teach you as you drove. And that's, yeah. you know, Matt Bowman, Jimmy Sister, and I brought up Christian York and Joey Mercury the same way. They started traveling with us. I would work Christian because he was a little bit bigger, and, and Cicero would work uh, – Joy Mercury. Joy. We would go to shows yeah. and we would work these guys, you know, for promoters. So promoters trusted us, but we say, well, let us work our boy, and they would get a chance, and they would get their foot in the door everywhere. But, you know, it was in the, in the, every time we took a six hour trip, it was me and Cicero talking about, you know, four parts of a match and what you do here and what do you guys do if this happens and what do you do if this happens and just putting them through the ringer and educating them like crazy. And, you know, both of those guys with an 18 months graduate training had WCW contract, and then they both went on to go yeah. to ECW for a while. They had both of them had a good chance. Oh, they were in, they were amazing. WWE. I still talk to Bags. I seen yeah, Joey this weekend, man. He, he's such an awesome, talented guy. He's so smart. Yeah, he's, he's but, smart. He's such a trainer. And you know, Julio De Niro, who had a big influence in your career. I talked to him the other day. I told him you were going to be on the show. And uh, you know, he's the guy that my first match I had with him in like '94. He was one of those guys that was trained to bump, and he kicked me in the face and broke my jaw. And so at first, at first I wanted to kill him. But then I really didn't know anything. So when I opened a wrestling school, he only lived 30 minutes away. I'm like, come down and train with us. So he came down and trained with us and kind of learned, you know, he, he, he paid some guy a lot of money. The guy talked, taught him how to do an arm drag and a bump and told him he was a wrestler, and he didn't know anything, oh you know. And so, I mean, right. it, it, it's all too common. Yeah, it's so common. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's but still you going know, on to this day, you know what I mean? When you talk about the business changing and all those and all the different things that are happening, one thing about, you know, 25, 30 years ago, really, guys were driving those 8 to 13 hour trips in the middle of the winter. And the damn heat in the cars didn't work. And all they could do was sit there and book the territory. And you look at it today and they're driving in these luxury rental cars. And, you know, they're, they're, they sleep most of the way. Can you imagine back in the day if you fell asleep in the car oh. with those boys? They razz the crap right out of you and they'd wake you up, you know. That's the way they were. They yeah. booked the territories. That's the difference it's between got, guys it's today. It's so much easier for guys. You know, like yeah, I, tell, I tell my guys planes. all the time. You know, I tell my guys oh, all the time. Ahead. It's like when I started, we didn't have Facebook and all that stuff, so I didn't, I wasn't no. able to message a promoter. We knew there was a, a, a Friday night show in San Antonio, so we would drive there and say, "Hey, I'm Luke, whatever, whatever my name was at the time. Uh, I have a my gear bag with me. Can I help put up the ring and set up? If you need an extra guy, I'm your man." And then we did that, and after doing that two, three, four times, sometimes we get a spot on the show, you know. Uh, 
So and, and that's 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 how it worked. It's it, that's how we uh, did it back. You in the did. Day. You know, we didn't email some guy on Facebook and say, "Hey, oh, this guy's cool. Uh, let's put him on a show because I talked to him on Instant Messenger." <laughs> you know, it's funny. You know, Luke. You know, C.W. Anderson. His his cousin Dan Wright used used to promote shows here. And about five years ago, I went to the show, and I saw Dan. It was an, actually at an Omega show, and I see Dan all the time. But he said, I got something I got to give you next time I see you. I said, okay. He brought me my original resume promo pack and VHS videotape I sent to him 24 years ago to get work. He said, this is the best written resume I've ever seen. It was the best video. There was no breaks in it. There was no cutting. There was no editing. It wasn't a great match, but it was solid. And he goes, and here's, and I sent him, Black and white, uh, nine by nine by eleven or nine by twelve or nine by eleven, a color nine by eleven, a color three by five, and a black and white three by five. So I sent him all that stuff, and he had kept it for twenty four years because he had told me he goes, I didn't have the heart to throw it away because when somebody would complain they weren't getting work, I would pull it out and say, Have you sent one of these to a promoter lately? And I literally sent out dozens of those. And the first time I got booked at the WWF. Howard Finkel goes, Mr. Carmichael, it's so good to see you. I still have your resume and video in my desk. Yeah, I, and I mean, that stuff stands out. But, look, I get emails. First off, I want to say uh, a big shout-out to Julio, by the way, that you brought up earlier. He's a real dear friend of mine and one of the, the best people from my from my early days of wrestling who does his best to keep in touch all the time with me. So I appreciate that. Also a great talent. But, yeah, Great I mean, talent. I get emails all the time trying to get booked at Wildcat, and it's just like, hey, hey, bro, what's up? Want to come work at Wildcat? You know, and you're like, what? <laughs> I don't know you. Is that what you said? Like, that's what people send, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm, I, Luke, I'm like, I know man. I ran shows recently. They say, yo, bro, I want to get on your show. Check me out on YouTube. I'm not doing any of the work. I'm sorry. I'm the promoter. No, you don't do any of the work. If you want it, right. then you get it there. It's bad. Hey, it's professionalism. Bad. I mean, look, you wouldn't go in. I mean, I would say, look, you wouldn't go into uh, any kind of job and do that, right? You just go walk in and go, hey, I want to work here. But, I mean, I guess some people would because they're that stupid. <laughs> they do if they don't want the job and want to continue to collect their unemployment. That's how they go in. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. Hey, listen, I don't know, Luke, I don't know if you know it. I don't know if Julio told you, but for the first time in seven years, he's wrestling again October 19th, this Saturday. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, huh? I've been talking to him about it for a while. Yeah, I've been talking to him about it. I told him, I said, you better be trained. He goes, I'm going to local wrestling school. I'm back in the gym. Because the first thing I was worried about was to get hurt. But I'm, I'm, I'm doing a seminar in Thomasville, Georgia, Saturday. And then going to the big anti-bullying show they have down there. Next, chief, a retired chief of police runs it. It's a pretty big event. We had him on last week, so I'm on the road this weekend too. He said, "We'll make a deal with you." I go, "What?" He goes, "Saturday night, eleven o'clock. I'll call you or you call me to make sure the other ones survive." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I think I it got another chance of survival than you do, but okay." <laughs> yeah, he's he's a, he's a great guy, man. He was a good worker too, man. So. uh Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. I, I used to look up, especially like body guys. Yo, he was always in shape, and like I, I look always. up to guys like him and Chaos because like they were jacked to me. Oh, I was like man, yeah, these guys are jacked. Way. I want to have a good body, and I was just some skinny kid, you know. 
No, you ain't skinny no more, son. No, no, not no more. I uh, I did what I had to do, bro. I stopped putting in the work. I don't remember, but about four or five years ago, I said, what the hell is your arm routine? And you told me, I'll know, Q. I just work them every single time I go to the gym. I'm like, well, at least exactly. I don't know. That's what I was told. I was like, you want big arms? You go work them every damn day, bro. You want big Man, arms? Go work them every damn day. Here's the thing with me is, I always book guys in shape. You know, my my last show, I had Jackson James on there. He's in good shape. And I had Brady Pierce, who's in great shape. And I always bring you guys that are in shape. And when I ran this underground bar years ago, I had Tom Brandy, King Kalua. I had Julio on the show. All the guys that came in were big guys. They were in shape. And, you know, I mean, the guys who weren't in shape were like Bundys and guys like that. And uh, Right. But just bigger, but, burly you know, guys are guys that, that look like athletes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that was always my thing. If the guy in the front row says, yeah, I think I can kick his ass, that guy doesn't belong in the ring. Because I guarantee you, the guy in the front row is not saying I'll, that about you right now. <laughs> no, not no more. Not no more. But, I mean, I was a skinny kid and for a long time, and I'm thankful for the opportunities, you know, that I got and that people gave me as a skinny kid. Uh, but I did learn from them. Uh, you know, and my, my kid now – my kid now, my son is, is, is pretty lean. He's tall. He's, he's 6'1". He's about 180 pounds, which, uh, you know, and, and for, for many years, he, you know, he was a, he was a, 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 shoot, he's a shooter. So he was an amateur wrestler, a state champion, right. multiple-time state champion amateur wrestler. So for many right. years, he was, he was focused on cutting weight. Uh, his senior year, he wrestled at 152. So, uh, and every year, he went up a, a weight class. But his right. senior year, he's 152. And now, like, he just wants to get jacked so fast, and I keep telling him it doesn't happen that way. He's in good shape now, but he's tall right. and lean. But and especially compared to a lot of indie guys today, he's bigger than a lot of the indie guys. But, you know, he, he's next to me, and he's like, Dad, I got, I got to get jacked, man. I got to get jacked. And he's like, "Why? I'm in the gym every day. It's not, you know, what, what's going on? I said, dude, it takes, it takes years, man. It takes years to put that size on the years. right way. It does take years. It literally takes years to put size on the right way. You're absolutely right. You know, it, it, I'll tell you a little story you can relate to your son. Is I hired a skinny kid in 1995. I was his regular first regular promoter who booked him to work. And it's the first show he was there, he was so damn nice that I couldn't find a spot for him. So I had him manage the Iron Sheik against me in the main event. And that kid's name Steve Carino. We know what happened to him. He was six foot tall, 150 pounds. Yeah. And wet. Then a couple of years later, this kid who was 16 years old came in, got his mother's permission to wrestle for me. He was five foot nothing, about 140 pounds, and his name's Joey Mercury. So you know, it just goes to show that that the size—it's not the size. What do you say? It's not the size of the fight. It's not the size of the dog in a fight. It's the size of the fight in a dog. And you know, sometimes right, right. Being, being a little bit thin or a little bit lean or a little bit smaller is that chip on your shoulder that you need. To go out there and just you know put that size down and work hard consistently. A hundred percent. And you know what? Back then they had so many talent. Even nowadays they got so many talented guys that come out of that area. You know that oh, was yeah. it. That, that the Northeast this is just such is. a hotbed for wrestling. All you know all throughout that area, which is crazy. Uh, just it's 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 amazing how much talent actually came from that era. That that area. Well, well you know we used to see the same guys on shows over and over again, and we'd see. There'd be me and Cicero, and there'd be Julio, 
and there would be uh, Christian, York, and Joey. Um, there would oh, be dude, Carino. I, I read there'd be Shaw in the magazine. When I was just a fan, I would read about Shaw in the magazines all the time. That's how I kept up with that area is the magazines, PWI and all the, those little magazines that used to come out back then. So I, I knew all y'all by name because I would always read the reports and look at the pictures and do this, do, you know. So it's like, to me, you guys were stars before before it really broke off because I was just, I, you know, my, my, my nose was in those books. So I couldn't yeah, see y'all on TV so much. So, so by the time I, when I started seeing some of the guys coming, because some of the guys started working on these crap shows here. They, they had a show in Alabama that used to run in like Chalmette in Alabama called, uh, I think it was called UCW. Right. And uh, like Cicero came down. I don't remember if you came down, Q, but I don't know if yeah, Cicero no, no, came no, down Cicero, a few times. Corporal Punishment came down. A bunch all the of time. Corporal was here all the time. That's where we started. Uh, yeah, no, they, they yeah. wanted me to come down a couple of times, and it seemed like every time they wanted me down, I was getting booked in Pittsburgh or an off show somewhere else, and I just could never fit it in because with me, once I took a show, even if somebody offered me more money or somewhere I had a bend, I took the original booking. I would never change booking, so I just didn't think it was ethical. And you know, right, you right, said, no, that's the right thing. But I knew, yeah, I knew these guys all before they came down here because I'd read about y'all for so many yeah. years, you know, and I could always see everything. So, yeah. uh, and it was like you got to see these guys in person and made it more that much more magical for me because yeah. you know, like I was a super fan. Yeah, you know, so, pro wrestling, pro wrestling illustrated, and all those magazines, Brandy Mankiewicz, Bill After. Um, you know, uh, just Tim Walker, those guys were all so kind to us and, and gave us so much press back in the day. You know, it wasn't, it would, I would be surprised if an issue of PWI or one of the sister publications came out and I wasn't in one of them or didn't have a picture in one of them or something, you know, it was really, it was surprising. They were just so good to us guys. I mean, you know, they were in Northeast too. And I think that helped us, but we were working so many shows together. I was telling Nick, I would work Friday night in Pittsburgh. I would drive from Pittsburgh to Goldsboro, North Carolina for a Saturday night show, drive straight back to Pittsburgh for a three o'clock matinee show on Sunday. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's something. Yeah. 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 You know, 1200 weekends, four guys in a car, you know, it's just what you did. Yeah. And it's not like that no more. You know, it's not like that even remotely. And you know what builds character too. there's still some road warriors out there, though. You know, guys like, man, I, I want to uh, send a shout-out to, like, uh, Caleb Conley and Savannah Evans and some of those North Carolina crew. Man, they, they hit the road hard, and they out oh, yeah. there, and they pushing it. So, and they're super yeah. talented. So, like, they, they're road warriors, which is nice to see, you know. It's great well, to see guys that, are, I, yeah, guys that are willing to get out there and, and do the traveling and understand, you know, like, back in the day, when we wrestled up north, Everybody wanted to plan everything out in the locker room. When he wrestled down south, it was all called in the ring. When he wrestled out in the Midwest, in Ohio and Michigan and places like that, half the guys were shooters. You know what I mean? So you had different yep. styles in different areas. So when you worked all those areas, you became really well-rounded as a wrestler, which made a big difference too. So, you know, that's why getting out there and working in different areas is important because people in certain areas work different than people in other areas. You know, well, right. exactly, exactly right. I, I just got back from CMLL. I uh, was down there for, you know, the biggest show of the year, uh, the Grand Prix. And um, and I went down there for a week, week tour. And most of the guys I worked didn't speak English. 
So yeah. not only not only did they not speak English, but they would get there right before the match. So you know, it's like and you work in lucha style. So it, yeah. it's it's you know, hey, what do you do? You go out there and do what you can do. You work. So that's that's one of the craziest things that I saw before. Is I saw uh, you remember Takamishinoku? He got he yeah, got of to a, he got he got to a WWE show late, and they put him up against Cicero. He didn't speak a lick of English. Speaker Cicero didn't speak any Japanese, and the interpreter was running late. So they just went out and did their thing, and Taka hit him with his finisher, and it was you you would have never known it, man. That match was as smooth as glass, and that's the day I said I said to Cicero, I said you have no idea how good you really are. You know, he's one of those guys that not getting a contract, Jimmy Cicero not getting a contract is befuddling to me. I don't know how it ever happened. You know, I I, yeah. was, I developed late, but he was young enough and everything else, and he just, you know, it's just befuddling. But, hey, it's the mysteries of it. Luke, listen, we got to – I don't want to cut you off, man. You got so much more to talk about. Can we get you on the show again maybe in a couple months? Oh yeah, yeah. Whenever you guys want, man. Y'all my boys, so let me know. Yeah, man. Listen, we got we got so much to talk about. Let me ask you one thing real quick. Um, when I met you WrestleCade a few years ago for the first time, you had that smoking girl with you. Remember? <laughs> Is that still Sorry. your girlfriend? Is she still your girlfriend? It, it probably wasn't my girlfriend with me. I probably had. I was probably with Savannah Evans because I'm always hanging out with her when I'm up there in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, maybe that was she, it. She had she, a little plaid. She had a little plaid Catholic girl school, school shirt, uh, shirt on. Is that her? Uh, no. You must be thinking Katie. You must be thinking Katie Forbes. It was Katie. Katie's Rob's girl. Katie's always with me. Everybody's the, I train Katie. So, uh, so everybody, yeah, my my old lady don't usually travel with me to shows. And then Savannah used, oh, okay. used to manage me a lot oh. up there. And then, uh, but Katie, Katie was always with me, and Katie was training with me, so everybody thought she was my old lady. So that's probably who you're thinking of. That's Rob. That's RVD's girlfriend. All I know is my eyes haven't recovered from that. Hey, hey, look, <laughs> she, she turns heads, bro. She she was just on Impact this week. She wrestled Jordan Grace on Impact. Oh man, oh, she go. had the look. You know, she she had she she's she's one of those people that you know, as far as lady wrestlers. She's gifted with a certain look that goes a long way. So good for her. Dude, she's stunning. I'm happy for her. She's 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 stunning. You know, and she's and she's she super is. athletic too. Never watched wrestling yeah. a day in her life, neither. It's funny how it works. Luke, listen, buddy, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. We gotta get you back on. I think we barely like just scratched the surface with you. I wanna I wanna wish you good luck. When's the next Wildcat show? Sunday, November third, it's uh, at the Ponce Train Center in Canada, Louisiana. It's a massive arena show. Uh, we're expecting a couple thousand people there, so yeah, check it out. Tickets are only fifteen dollars. Kids seats only ten. The floor's completely sold out already. And if they're interested in looking at us online, they can check out Wildcat Sports. That's K A T W I L W I L D K A T Wildcat Sports. Cat with a K. WildcatSports.com, Wildcat Sports uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, all that good job stuff. And if you want to look me up personally, you can check out, you know, Luke Hawks, L-U-K-E-H-A-W-X-504. That's L-U-K-E-H-A-W-X-504 and all my social media. And you'll see, you know, mostly me posting 
uh, dumb stuff and me with my kid all the time. And, you know, if I ain't posting dumb, funny stuff, I'm posting stuff with me and my kid traveling. My tag team partner, you know, we got awesome. all these fun tag teams going on. It's always great stuff, Luke. It's always great to uh, talk to you, brother, and uh, continued success. I know you're going to do great things in the business still, and, uh, you know, your your son's going to follow in your footsteps, man. So I just hey, want to tell you. We just tore it up with the Briscoes. We just tore it up with the Briscoes at Ring uh, Island this past love weekend. Love those guys. Yeah, hey. Listen, one of the best tag matches I ever saw was the Briscoes against an Omega show against Matt and Jeff. It was unbelievable. Those guys, oh, yeah. those guys can go, brother. They can go. Right. So. If, if y'all have a chance, check out uh, check out the match from us for Glory from Glory by Honor this past weekend. We'll do. We'll do, man. And listen, anytime you get anything to push, you got something coming up, throw it out there to me on Facebook or send me a text message. I'll make sure we get on the show for you. Absolutely. Appreciate it, brother. You guys have a good night. All right, brother. You, you too, take care, man. man. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Take care. Bye. All right, Q. Listen, I got to tell wow, you, man. Talk, talk about a home run guest, huh? Yes, uh, absolutely. That was a uh, an a, an amazing guest, and uh, you definitely hit a home run on that one. I think we got to take a break, though, don't we? Got a little commercial message in. Oh, I'm all ready to roll. You do it. Hey guys, I gotta tell you about this new product that Cubal and I just started using. It's called RedlineGoods.com. Q, I was on, I ordered a bunch of products from this site, man, and you weren't lying. Man, I'm telling you, you know that tuner car I got, that old Eclipse that I've been working at? I got the, it's called the flat side steering wheel. It's a steering wheel and it's all hand stitched. And the bottom side that around is flat and for, you know, tuner cars. And I got the matching boot for the shifter that is handmade and hand-stitched Italian leather. Let me tell you something, dude. This thing looks sweet. The rest of the car, not so good. But the steering wheel, well, the boot cover, fantastic. Well, I'm going to tell you, I got 1993 LeBaron, and my kids are so embarrassed when I drive this thing around. I went on this site you told me about. I used the promo code... Q-Ball, save 15%, and my kids love it. I got their coolest-looking shifter. I've got new pads on the brake and the gas. I mean, I have done this thing up. The outside still needs some work, man. This place is loaded with colors, and it's shipped worldwide. Like, you were not kidding. I mean, I am shocked. And you know what, Nick? Everything's hand-stitched and handmade in its own shop by him and his family. So, you know, it's, it's handcrafted Italian leather. It's amazing stuff. It, it's redlinegoods.com. Uh, the owner's name is Mike. He's a friend of ours. And if you just happen to mention promo code QBALL, you're going to save 15% on your entire order. So make sure you go there, folks, redlinegoods.com, all one word, redlinegoods.com, and check out their selection of really nice handmade Italian leather accoutrements for your vehicle and a lot of other cool products they have for cars. Oh, yeah, the madness. It's on Triple T Radio.
you know, it's pretty impressive to have a show that's just second celebrating its second week on the air, and we've actually have we have proof of this because we record every visitor comes to our phone. We've had visitors from eleven different countries. I mean, I think that's pretty. Actually, twelve because I didn't count Bowling. So twelve different countries already. I mean, you know, can you ask for anything more as a brand new podcast? But I think the unusual nature of what we do, where we talk as much about life as we do wrestling is, is something that's unique and that kind of rolls us into our next segment a little bit, I think. Well, we've done extremely well. Like you said, we've had so many listeners and people that have just viewed the the website in itself. So, I mean, you know, hats off to everyone. Like, we're very thankful. We love hearing from our fans. We love hearing from the casual wrestling fan who maybe. This is helping get them back into the uh, wrestling world. Maybe they're paying more attention. So if we're yeah, helping with that, buddy, then... You know, my buddy James Matthews is listening from Portugal, too. And I'll tell you about him. We had a Harley Race seminar about five years ago we put on, and we only took 40 people. And this guy flew in on his own dime from Portugal, paid for a hotel, and stayed for two days so he could see her go to a Harley, uh, Harley Race clinic. So, you know, I mean, good grief. You know, how much how much more of a commitment can you have than a guy that flies in from Portugal to go to a Harley Race right. seminar that you say I have? So, you know, thank him for listening, too. But, you know, we I'm just grateful for the people that listen. I, I think that it shows that, uh, you know, we're, we're diverse and we're the, probably two of the most non-judgmental people in the world because if I started judging people, I have to start with myself, and I'd be getting life for about 78 different things. So... <laughs> Lord knows I'm not going to do that. (laughs) As you guys know, Q has so much knowledge, and he has given so much to the business that is professional wrestling. And, you know, I'm so thankful Q and I are on here. I quickly want to share with people that uh, as of right now, uh, Triple T Radio, Turnbuckles, Trunks, and Titles is available on Spotify. It is available in Google Music. Uh, I believe it's available on iTunes now. If not, it will be soon. It's already, we're just waiting on the review to be finished, but we're available on Stitcher. We're available for direct listen on our website, triple So we offer you guys plenty of places. If you're not catching the show live and you still want to hear it, of course, as everyone knows, Q-Ball has got this amazing gift that he gives to you guys on this show every week about conspiracies. And the problem is, is Q keeps these guys on the phone because he loves to talk to business. Yeah, you're probably going to miss it. But it's okay because now you got the opportunity to listen to it literally within hours after this show is finished. And Nick, they get, they get to listen to the entirety not just the hour. If we go over an hour and you miss something and you want to pick it up, all you got to do is go to Spotify. Um, we should be on iTunes this week. As he said, Google Podcast, Stitcher. I mean, you can go into the, uh, the, in a day or so, you can go here to the website for Triple T Radio and you can pull it up. Tune in radio there. as well. Tune in. Right. I forgot to tune yep. in radio. Yeah, but you want to make sure you don't miss any of it because the next one we're going to go into is pretty deep. Yeah, well, we're ready, Q. 
There's 25 seconds left on this one, and then we're well, going to have to go in. I'll tell you this. It's the moon landing in 1969. I read a recent uh, article given by the director of uh, a couple famous films, The Shining and Full Metal Jacket, Stanley Kubrick, who before his death in 1999 agreed to an interview if it was only to be released 15 years later, because that was what his contract said, his 88-page contracts in the U.S. government about the faking and falsifying of the moon landing. That's right, folks. Whether you believe it or not, I'm going to give you rock-solid proof that the moon landing never, ever happened. It was a complete fake filmed in the Arizona desert, and I've got tons of proof, including Stanley Kubrick's confession, his story, and NASA even admitting that they can't make a comment on whether it's false or true, which means that it's what? That it's false. It did not happen. But you say that it didn't happen, Nick. But but are you saying it's never happened or it just didn't happen then? It didn't happen then. Now, uh, that was Apollo 1, Apollo 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Supposedly all went to the moon. But then right after Apollo 6 went to the moon, why did we completely abandon exploring the moon? The U.S. just completely abandoned exploring the moon. For no apparent reason, they quit. Now, I'll remind you that two years before we were supposedly landed on the moon, we couldn't even launch a spaceship off, off the launch pad without it exploding and killing the astronauts the entire crew. But two years later, we had the technology to get a ship to the moon and get it back. <laughs> no, it didn't happen, folks. It definitely didn't happen. And I'm going to give you factual proof as to why not. Go into Google Images and click fake moon landing. And you can see clearly in the helmet reflection of the first man that ever stepped on the moon, the reflection of a cameraman. Now, these are pictures that weren't available until the Freedom of Information Act hit them, until they were petitioned by many organizations to disclose these things. But also, I think, Nick, one of the most compelling things that proves that the moon landing was falsified, besides Stanley Kubrick's entire interview that took five months to do, was completed three days before his death, in 1999, that he was hired and signed an 88-page non-disclosure agreement with the U.S. government and basically told that he, if he can mention to anybody that it was falsified or fake, that he probably would cease to exist on the planet, gives pretty good structure to the fact that it was fake. The other thing that amazes me, Nick, is you'll notice when you find a picture on Google Images of the flag, that they stuck in supposedly the face of the moon. You'll see something very interesting. There's no gravity on the moon, correct? There's no gravity in space. No, that's right. Without gravity, there cannot be wind. Wind does not exist without gravity. It's impossible. There's no perpetuation of wind without gravity. Yet the flag is waving in the breeze on the alleged lunar surface. 
It is a physical and scientific impossibility for the flag to be waving on the moon. So that flag that's waving is not on the moon. In another photo, you'll notice the earth off to the left-hand side. What they didn't figure is technology would advance so great in astronomy that people would notice that the position of the earth from the location of the lunar landing on the moon would actually place the earth about four and a half inches left and low of where it was. Four and a half inches doesn't sound like much, but at the distance to the moon, it's 8,000 miles. So somehow we're supposed to believe that at the approximate time of the lunar landing, the Earth shifted out of orbit 8,000 miles. (laughs) That is scientifically impossible because we'd all been dead. So there's that. Also, if you look at the up-close of, uh, I think it's Buzz Aldrin, on the surface of the moon, you'll see a rock, a big rock to his right, behind him to the right, and a little one to the left. The rock to the right behind him has a sea chiseled in it, like some kid would cut into a tree where you and I are from and put his initials in a tree. It's just as easy to take a stone chisel and a hammer and chisel your initials into a rock in the middle of the Arizona desert to say I was here. And there's the initial C carved into that rock. Nobody went to the moon and nobody carved the initial C in a rock shortly before the lunar module landed on the the moon. Believe me. So there's so many things you take into Kubrick's account of it being fake, of it being perpetuated, of him pulling off the greatest coup in the United States. But what bothered him later in life is he said the government committed the greatest act of fraud ever against the American people. And they have continued to pull fraud after fraud after fraud after fraud after fraud on the American government, realizing Oh, my God, if we can get a lunar landing on the moon over the people, pull the wool over the people's eyes on that, what else can we do? How can we believe anything our government says? We're a wrestling-based show. Everybody knows who Jesse Ventura is. Why, when Jesse Ventura left being the governor of Minnesota, did he move his entire family to Mexico? I'll tell you why he did. Because he doesn't trust the United States government. He doesn't trust what they say, what they say they're going to do, what they say they've done, what they say they've accomplished. If a former governor of one of the greatest states in the country moves to Mexico for the protection of himself and his family because he knows things that he shouldn't know and he doesn't trust the U.S. government, that should also tell us a lot about the perpetuation of frauds Beyond landing on the moon, how great are these frauds? How tremendous are these? When JFK was assassinated, clearly anybody who hunts is in law enforcement who has ever shot guns as a hobby knows that there are two distinct and different sounding gunshots going off from different directions as Kennedy is assassinated. We'll go into that a little bit later in a future show. How 
can we how can we believe anything the government says? You know, why was Martin Luther King assassinated? Do you think it was just a random guy who didn't like black folks? I don't think so. I think Martin Luther King was about to do something that nobody has ever done since or ever done before. He was about to unite the Americans as one. He was about to say that blacks and white don't matter. What matters is we're Americans and we all bleed red. And I think that his assassination was also a government cover-up. But we'll go into that in a later show. What we're talking about right now is the facts, ladies and gentlemen. The fact is that they never landed on the moon. It was a movie set. There are too much. There's too much physical evidence. You know, being in law, I've been in law enforcement for the last couple of years. I can tell you what people like to hear at a trial. Is there physical or forensic evidence? That's what's going to make up my mind, not circumstantial. The physical and forensic evidence prove that we never landed on the moon. Only circumstantial evidence says that we did. I'm sorry. I'm going to believe the physical and the forensic evidence. Nick, let me ask you a question. If you weren't sitting down, you are now, aren't you? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I actually yeah, um, lost um, that. Guess what? You just said what 97,000 Americans listening to this show just said. Um, uh well, I just True looked story. at the stuff brought up, and you know, it, it, it's wow, it's it's fact. Yeah, it's not just yeah, hearsay. Well, everything, it's, I talk, it's a fact. everything I talk about, you're welcome to look up because it's true. You bring up a good point. Well, uh, you know, it's it's it, there. There are several reports of insiders from NASA who retired and left, and. You know, uh, years later, more towards the time that they would be passing on, I've let the cat out of the bag about the lunar landing. You know, people, listen, you know as well as I do, if you cross the federal government, look at the history of the Clintons. I mean, the the Clintons and the Arkansas Mafia, 91 people who crossed their paths, who disagreed to them, who bucked them, ended up dead, including Vince Foster, who was found in a cemetery in Hellington, Virginia, Shot in the head during the hurt uh, during during the, the heat of the Whitewater conspiracy. Ironically, Vince was shot in the head, and the gun was in his right hand. What the people who did that forget to remember is Vince Foster was left-handed. So oh. I can go into that one too. Vince Foster did not shoot himself; he was murdered, and like everybody else. Oh, put the gun in his right hand. He's probably right-handed. Most people are wrong. He was left-handed. Nobody shoots themselves in the head with their opposite hand. It just doesn't happen. Use what we call your dominant hand, your gun hand, is what shoots you in the head. 98% of all suicides used with a gun, it's in the right hand. The other 2% percent—they're shot by somebody else, and they pass it off as suicide. So we know how it works. There's, there's just a history of tremendous amount of government conspiracies. We're just starting to delve into these, and hopefully the these shows are archived. So if I suddenly disappear without warning, we know what happens. Yeah, yeah, I'll find you, buddy. I'm coming after them. 
Like, well, they got to come after all our cans, too. <laughs> you got to admit, though, uh-huh. that's pretty compelling evidence. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I just looked at it all. It's very good evidence. See that flag waving? Yeah, I saw it waving. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Yeah, with no gravity, flags don't wave. <laughs> did you see the rock sea carved in it? Yes, I did. And yeah, I somebody, also just saw the to, somebody just happened to get there a thousand years early and decide, oh, it was me, by the way. In my previous life, yeah. I flew there with my wings and I carved a C in there for cue ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're oh, man, it just gets crazier every single week. These conspiracies are just, there's so many of them. It's just incredible. The government has been yanking the wool over not just Americans, but our brethren, our Canadians' eyes for the last 70 years. It's insane. And you know what the government does? They feed the media, the media writes it. Guess what people believe? If I read it, it's got to be true. I've got another aspect for you to think about. If I read it mainstream media, and it's fed to mainstream media by government, don't believe it because it's not true. Because history shows that they don't tell the truth and that they commit fraud against the American people every single day. Are we talking about Dave Meltzer now? (laughs) I'm not going to mention that name and give him any kind of extra business. So I don't even know what you're talking about. Please yeah, don't. no, I'm not going to. No. He doesn't have I don't blame you. Good, what, do you think about, what do you think about the conspiracy of Eric Bischoff getting hired and fired in the same 98 period of time after he moved his entire clan down there? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I told you it earlier. It, it, it's bothering me. He's not any relative of mine, but it bothers me to think that he would move and I mean, he moved from Cody, Wyoming, everything and everything, only to be let go 90 days later. I just, I'm sorry, but, and I love you, Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Is 90 days a chance for anybody in any type of business to prove themselves? No, right? No, no, not in a multi, you know, not in a billion dollar no. company, especially. If I, listen, listen if, if I take over a failing football team as a head coach, I say, listen to the owner. I need a three to five year plan. If I take over a failing business and I got to turn it around, I need a three three to five year plan. It's not going to turn around overnight. No. And for somebody to think I can bring a guy in here and he's going to turn around this business overnight, it's not going to happen. So by bringing him in in three months, three months I find some stupid reason to let him go, and all I've done is disrupt his life, cost him money to move. And now he's going to move back or he's going to be stuck there or whatever. Guess what? I've only done it for one reason, and it's called spite. Yep. And there's no other way to describe it. It was just spiteful, revengeful, stupid, ignorant, hurtful. You know, it's a lot of words, a lot lot of definitions for it. But let's face it, one simple thing, it just wasn't right. No, it's fucking. I got. I, agree. I got no. I got no love for Bischoff. Bischoff personally destroyed WCW by giving all his buddies multi-million dollar contracts, and that's fine. 
He was looking out for the boys when nobody else would, and I get it. But the point being is you don't mess with a man and his family only three months later to mess with him again in an even bigger way and leave him unemployed. You know, it just that's just not right. It's just not right. Nope. I agree. 100% so, I'm oh. with you. All right, man. Well, listen, I'm about ready to get off this place here. How about you? Oh, brother, I'm ready. I, I got to get myself some shut eye. All right, brother, man. Listen, what do you say we come back here? Next week, we got our guest, Matt Griffin. He's a guy I trained that I took on the road for a solid year. I told him to pick me up on Saturday. We are going to a show. He was going to drive me for a year. I was going to train him a little little at a time in the rings when we got to the shows early. He shows up the first day in a snowstorm in a brand-new car. I said, what are you doing in a new car? He says, well, I figure I've got to drive the champ around for a year. I better have a nice ride. So he bought a brand new car <laughs> and for a year. So yeah, and he's going to be on next week. He's also the promoter of Action Wrestling out of Atlanta, Georgia, doing a great job, drawing big houses, putting a lot of people to work. He gets it too. No wonder because I trained him, but I mean he gets it. So look forward to talking to him next week. Well, I look forward to talking to him and to you, Q. It's been a great, great show tonight. So if it's okay with you, from. Uh, the host of the show, Q-Ball Carmichael, and myself, I want to say thank you to those who listen. Thank you, worldwide fans, and those oh, wait, who download. Nick, 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 Brother. One more plug for our buddy at RedlineGoods.com. Mike's got the best handmade Italian leather products for your car. He's got some cool accents for the gas pedals, the steering wheel, the shifter boot. It's one of a kind. You go to RedlineGoods.com. You mentioned... Code Q-Ball, get yourself a 15% discount, and uh, go and enjoy Get some cool stuff for your ride. And also, uh, that's it. Have a great night, Nick. Hey, I'm with you, my man. I can't wait to see you next week. All right, brother. Sounds good. See you next week. Okay, bye-bye.